Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I remember the doctor coming in and saying, like, one in a hundred will die from this. Hey, Michelle. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you? <laughs> Good. Oh, man. We are just in a marathon today. We are. This was, yeah. Third, third. We just finished our third recording. Literally just finished it. Yeah. And we, we kind of do this every now and then where we're like, we're on track, we're on schedule, and then something exciting happens and we're like, we'll just do all in one day. Yeah. Because we can't wait. Yeah. Or scheduling changes. Yeah. And I'm trying to like readjust because I'm moving on October 15th. And Woo! so we're trying to like get ahead. Yeah. But anyway, what that meant is we did two main feed. Yeah. Plus a Patreon. Yeah. And my voice is tired. I know. And my ears hurt from the headphones. Yeah. So. They're smushing my ears. Yeah. But anyway, hi. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Great. Am I great? After I said that, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think you're great. You were right. feeling the best this morning. I was not. I was up most of the night. Yeah. With the upset tummy. I hate that for you. Oh, it was not good. But I'm feeling better now. You yeah. bought me lunch. And that made me happy. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> you bought me coffee and that made me happy. There we go. Um, That's how a relationship works. <laughs> yeah. I've been feeling like garbage because we've been so stressed with like getting ready for the move, planning yeah. the move, all the things. And then work has been crazy. And I mean, that's not an excuse, but like when I'm stressed, I just want to eat junk. Yeah. Or like I don't, I don't, bi- I don't build in time to like stop. You don't plan store your meals or, and stuff. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I've just been like eating garbage. I haven't been to CrossFit in like three or four weeks. Oh, and then I was really sick. Not COVID. I got a negative yes, test. Yes, yeah. But I had a really bad cough and I mm-hmm. couldn't breathe. So mm-hmm. then I was just like eating whatever. Yeah. Anyway, tomorrow's Monday. Therefore, it is the day I should start eating Absolutely. Better. No, I would say save it till you move in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you might as well just What's push it a little bit another two weeks of junk food? No, I just like feel gross. I know. Like I, That's the worst feeling. I hate when I, when I eat better and the way that my body does best. Yeah. I feel so good. Yeah. And then, so why do I dip into eating junk? Because it's comforting and familiar and, and it's And easy. because it's easy. It's convenient, yeah. right? Like, we all do it. And I do it, too. And yeah. I, even if my bank account's screaming at me, I'm still like, oh, but I need to order in because yeah. I don't want to cook. Like, you know, yeah. it's just one of those things. But you've been really busy working your other job, too. And I've been really busy yeah. working my second job. So there's a lot going on. Yeah. We're just... Hashtag boss babes. <laughs> <laughs> well, coming up on this week. So this Friday, uh-huh. October 8th, um, is our Patreon episode. And for those who don't know, because we're going to talk about it all the time, Patreon is a monthly subscription for as little as $5 a month. And it's a way of supporting us. And as a thank you, you get two bonus episodes a month. Uh-huh. You get entered into a draw for a merch. We just gave away a book from somebody that we interviewed. Yeah. Um, we're going to be giving away a, um, a reading, a reading, like a, like a medium, medium reading. reading. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say psychic, but not psychic, a medium reading. So, uh, coming up later in October, we interview, uh, a friend of ours that, uh, is a medium and channel. I think is how she refers sure, to herself. Sure, yeah. Um, and we're going to be, she gave us a reading. Yeah, and so, she did. We're going to talk about it. Yeah, we're going to talk about it on our, on another Patreon. She gave us separate readings, yeah. we should say. Like yeah. Two full separate readings. So if you want to be entered in a chance to win a reading with her, you have to get on our Patreon. Because yeah. it's only going to be for our Patreon members that we give this uh, giveaway to. Yeah. Um, which is super exciting. Oh, but we just did just talk to... Our friend, yeah, who was in an MLM, like deep into the and MLM. And we talked world. about Lula Rich and the MLMs and the MLMs that we've, you know, had experience with. In. And it was really fun and brought up a lot of 
crazy stories. Yeah. Yeah. I know you do start to block things out. Like you had said like, oh, I kind of forgot that I went to this thing. I know. Like I, I repress this memory of me literally going to like a building downtown with my neighbors. And I like, I couldn't tell you what it was for. Yeah. But But you're now a diamond star ranking (laughs) direct manager sales. If you want to be in my downline, (laughs) shoot me a DM. Oh my God. Tell you all about it. Uh, Yeah. No. It's just We're like just, things are moving and shaking. They are. It's exciting. It is exciting. We are we are manifesting and following our dreams. Listen. Sometimes. No, I believe it. Yeah. I should have a vision board. You should. Yeah. We should do a, a Facebook Live or a, an Instagram Live where we make vision boards. We just like cut out pictures from magazines. I think and... yours would just be people sleeping. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> it would just be a series of like... Women in yeah. comfy beds yes. with nobody in the room. Yeah. Napping. Absolutely. With like Dateline on the TV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's my jam. That I, I'll manifest that Okay. Thank you. you. Appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> but really, it is going to come true because with me moving into a house, mm-hmm. um, one of the driving factors, honestly, was because I want to have a space where like your kiddos can come. And be in my house You're the best. and give you a break because I haven't had that ability yeah, since yeah. Anthony died. Yeah. And this will be like, I'll finally have a... You are going to rue the day. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're going to cancel that plan real quick. We need to get a smaller house. Yeah, no like, bedrooms. No extra bedrooms. I'm so sorry. No, I'll sign a piece of paper right now. Aw, you're the best. I feel like I also signed a piece of paper saying I would take your kids on a trip somewhere or something. Yeah, I think you did. Yeah, I mean. For next weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I'm so excited for you to move. Thanks. And it's going to be so awesome. And I'm really excited that I am not uh, moving you out of your basement. Oh, yeah. I, I did not sign up for that. No, moving into it wasn't, first of all, excuse you, it's a subterranean villa. Pardon me. But also, moving down wasn't that bad because, like, bringing something down a set of stairs, we just put the boxes on the stairs and let them slide down for the most part. Yeah. Getting all that stuff up? Not happening. thank you. Not happening. I have rented a 26-foot U-Haul. Wow. And then U-Haul, again, this ad was not sponsored by U-Haul, but it should be. It should be. You pay this, like, third-party company arranged by Mm U-Haul, and um, it's Mike's Movers, and four people are... Are they all named Mike? I hope so. Like, he has to only hire Mike. Mikey, Michael, and... (laughs) Michelle. Michelle. And they're going to load my subterranean villa, uh-huh. and then I'm going to drive it over to Lindsay's, and they're going to load up her house, and then I'm going to drive it to our new house. I mean, if you don't make a TikTok about you hauling with your girlfriend, then oh, it's already in the, the move needs to be canceled. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. good. No, it's there. We're going to do it. Um, anyway, well, I don't know. Exciting. Yeah. I feel like we've been interviewing a lot of people that we know yeah. lately, and it's yeah. been really nice. Or it just like been. more local people, which has been yeah. cool. But we also have some more like international people on the on the on pipeline the, on, on the, the cusp. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy the episode. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Hello, Amber. Hi, ladies. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday, and it is nice out. It is. I feel like this is like. Our, I don't know for sure, but like it feels like our last nice weekend. Well, hopefully not. I have heard we're supposed to have a beautiful, long, dry fall. So let's. Oh, good. Uh, I hope so. That sounds fabulous. I went for a bike ride yesterday and in my mind, I was like, do I need sunscreen? And I was like, it's fall. And <laughs> then I got a sunburn because <laughs> the sun isn't like, whoa, whoa, it's fall. Let's not burn her. It feels like summer this morning. Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're so excited to talk to you. Why don't we have you start by introducing yourself? Tell us like a little bit about you and your family, and then we'll get into it. All right. Well, as you know, I'm Amber. I live with my family. We are five people big and way too many animals. Uh, (laughs) My husband, Dave, I'm a teacher in town. I teach kindergarten and my husband, Dave, is a golf pro at Heritage Point. So we're both pretty local to the community. Awesome. 
Daisy is 11 and in grade six, Charlie is three and starting preschool this fall. And then of course we've got the dog, the cats and the hamster, which is way too many animals for my liking. <laughs> we still, we still, of course, count Max in as our, as our fifth. He's, Absolutely. Yeah. He would be 13 today. Oh, wow. Well, wow. It's not his birthday, but he'd be 13 and starting grade eight this year. Oh, wow. And were the animals your kids' ideas or your husband's idea? Well, the cats we got when we got back from our honeymoon, strangely enough, it was the first thing we did before we even got groceries. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> So they're hopefully on their, on their last legs, but (laughs) they do live for like, I don't think people really think about it when they get a cat that cats can live to 20 plus years. Yes. Well, and we, and when they're geriatric like this, they cause much mess. So, yeah. so, and then Luigi, we actually got shortly after Max passed. It was kind of like way to fill a hole. Is that the dog? Yeah, but um, truthfully, I probably should have just had a baby in the first place because the dog also. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, too funny. Yeah. Um, No, he's named Luigi because Max loved Mario Brothers, Mario Kart. And so we we would name him Mario, but it didn't fit. So we went with Luigi because his favorite color was green and it more suited the dog. So that's so cute. That's very cute. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, so we reached out to you over Instagram. Michelle uh, had mentioned before we started recording that I didn't realize that you guys had actually met in person. Yeah. Um, We live in the same town. And well, I remember Max was at a couple birthday parties that Adrian was at. Oh, because they're similar, like they're close in age. Yeah, because Adrian will be 13. Yeah. 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 We have some mutual friends, I think. Yeah. Wow, that's so great. Uh, well, I'm super thankful that you were willing to be on our podcast because that yours was a story that we, like Michelle had told me about and we really followed closely because it is so close to home, literally and yeah. figuratively. So yeah. why don't you start by telling us a bit about Max? Max was our first born in 2008. No, yes, 2008. Gosh, I'm old. <laughs> um, he was the first grandbaby on both sides completely um planned and anticipated and he was born I mean I'm a teacher so we kind of tried to have a summer baby because it made Matt leave so much easier Mm -hmm. and we did we all worked out it was a really demanding baby (laughs) (laughs) extremely particular he didn't care for anybody except me cried a lot and slept little and he was really demanding right from the beginning you could also tell that he was he was really bright right from the beginning you know he he talked early and he walked early and he did he hit all those milestones really early and he kept me on my toes right right from the (laughs) (laughs) get-go that's probably the best one to have for a first child because you can devote the attention to just that kid absolutely well and then you like you set the bar really high so anything that comes after that isn't quite such hard work (laughs) that's yes very true (laughs) rather than the other way around yeah (laughs) an easy baby um he was a great he was just under two when Maisie was born and he was a great big brother they were quite close in age so we were really busy and I was really lucky I got to stay home with the kids when they were little but yeah he was always just super intense super emotional he really had a high emotional IQ too so he picked up when people were sad and he knew when people were happy and excited and he you know he would like cry before a school break because he would miss his teachers and try to make plans like that so yeah he was just a big, big presence right from the get-go. Yeah. And as your first child, and I know this as well, like my first, it's just so, I don't know, everything is new and everything is exciting and all their milestones are so exciting and you get to know their little personalities because it's just you and them. And it's so special to kind of have that time with them when it's, when it's your first. Absolutely. And I always kind of felt like he was mine. You know how Yeah, you don't want to say that. And it's not that I'm saying favorite, but he always, you know, he was mine. He trusted me. And I remember Mm -hmm. his dad would make lots of jokes trying to convince him of things. And he always would look to me and he'd say, mommy, mommy." (laughs) (laughs) he 
was the one of the three, I think, that looked like me. And he was just kind of always, it was kind of him and I. Oh, that's so special. Yeah. But you're right. That first, that first baby is a little bit, you're right. It's new and yeah. we're out together. And What kind of things did he like to do? He loved to learn. He was always watching videos and reading books about the mysteries of earth. He loved like tsunamis and landslides and tornadoes and storms. So he loved that. He loved oh, cool. roller coasters and water slides. He didn't like to ride them so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It sounds like him and I would have gotten along great. I'm like <laughs> obsessed with those things, but I don't want to ride the roller coaster. But... Or like go near the tsunami. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like super interested in them. Totally. And he, you know, he wanted to, he, he talked a big game like, oh yeah, I, I want to go on the most thrilling roller coaster on earth. Aww. But came right down to it he was always pretty conservative and a little bit scared so yeah but in the things he liked to actually do he mini golfed he golfed he loved lego he liked to read he liked to do he liked to play like hangman and oh yeah connect the dots and yeah he was he was an intellectual so yeah oh yeah. i remember you posting about roller coasters and his interest in roller coasters yes so Max got sick. How old was he when this happened? He was six. So he was, he was almost seven. His birthday's in August and he got sick in June of, of that year. So just before he turned seven. Yeah, we were, it was just, um, school was just about out. It was June of, actually it was right at the end. No, I think it was June of 2015. He'd have, of course, already been planning his birthday party for months yeah we had celebrated my birthday in may and it had been a really busy weekend and um in the week following that he started to show symptoms of like a flu he was complaining of a belly ache and he went to school one day and he went home early because of a tummy ache with his dad his dad picked him up and took him home he seemed to kind of be be fine after that a couple days later it wasn't getting any better he tried to go back to school and then the symptoms kind of kind of rolled from there and what did you think it was well we thought it was the flu like he came home that first day and he had this big poop and Mm. seemed to feel better right and everything seemed kind of normal and he was eating a little bit not really like there was not a big concern because that's pretty typical and Mm -hmm. we're not feeling well right so he went back to school and I, he, him and I were at the same school because I was teaching that one morning. He just ended up having blood in his stool that day. At oh, the no. So we got him into the ER in Black Diamond and they took a sample and gave him a popsicle and told us that it was probably just an ear, irritated bowel because he'd been on the toilet so much. Right. In his home and it just persisted. <laughs> like he was in the washroom every day. Every few minutes, he'd be in the washroom. The next day, he was worse, so I took him back. And I guess between the time me leaving the house and take, getting back to the ER, they had phoned and told us that his stool had come back positive for E. coli. Oh, my. So typically, they don't do much for E. coli. It's kind of a waiting game. Because yeah. when you antibiotic certain type of E. coli, it can release a toxin into the body, which... Oh. When the, so when you the E. coli dies, it can release the toxin into the body that can be really dangerous. So they don't really do anything for you. Send you on your way and tell you to monitor at home. And how, how do you know how he contracted E. coli? Cause I think I of like eating rotten food, like spoiled food. Right. Well, and it's a certain, not all E. coli is, is deadly and is dangerous, but certain strains, certain strains are. Oh, right. Um, a lot of times people will have it and they don't, they don't really even know they've got it, you know, yeah. you have diarrhea and you barf and you think it's food poisoning or the flu and it leaves relatively unscathed. But with this particular strain, the danger is that it develop, then it attacks as the E. coli goes, then it, it attacks the kidneys. Oh, oh. Wow. And so did they know what strain it was when they came back with the testing? Yes. So we were in the ER that night and the doctor came to see me and he said, you know, this is the strain and usually it's harmless, but we have to watch it because it can develop into this. It's called HUS, which is hemolytic ureteric syndrome. Oh, oh, I don't know how to say it. We'll just call it HUS. I like that. (laughs) 
and then it can attack like the body's other organs and it can it, like any of them the heart the lungs the brain the kidneys is where it usually starts so mm. they were gonna send us home but we have a doctor in the family that recommended that he get sent to the children so we were sent from black time until the children's at night and even in the er there they wanted to to send us home again but ended up admitting him because his symptoms were quite severe so he needed like rehydration and things like that yeah yeah that was a I think that was a Friday so uh, like as a parent I know that you're probably like trying to listen to the doctors and trust the doctors did you have kind of was it like okay everything's going to be fine or did you have a feeling like this is more than just mild I I, not yet not at this point I still pretty unworried the doctors were were pretty nonchalant about it and they warn, but typically like the typical response is that their body will just kind of fight it off and they'll be good to go in a week or two. Yeah. 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 No, I wasn't overly alarmed and I figured they were just sending them for observations. So yeah. So they admitted them and we were in the hospital for a few nights and they were watching him and taking his, his blood and stuff. And he seemed to be improving. And I even made a Facebook post like, thanks so much for your support. We seem to be kind of coming out of this. We should be home by tomorrow. I think it's yeah. nice. I don't know it's the next morning, I guess his blood work had revealed a marker for this HUS developing. Cause right. Once the E. coli leaves, they start to feel better, but then that's when the, the HUS develops. Oh, and so, so is that why he sort of had that upswing? Because Right. Right. He was feeling better from the one bug leaving. They seemed kind of all of a sudden, they seemed almost not panicked, but it seemed all of a sudden urgent. And I remember the doctor coming in and saying like, one in a hundred will die from this. Oh. At that point is when like, I even, I don't know, there was something in me as his mom that just kind of knew where it was going and that he was sitting up completely normal at that point. But I, this sounds so morbid, but my I had this flash forward to his funeral at that moment in that room. I don't know, like intuition. I don't know. And was he, did, did the doctor say that in front of Max? No, we were in another room. And so so when the doctor said that, like, what was the prognosis? Like, what's the treatment plan for this new developed strain? They, I think it's mostly just monitoring. They, they watched their kidney functions. So his, starting I guess that morning and and moving forward he had stopped peeing so that was a big red flag so when your kidneys stop working then they would start like dialysis on the kidneys and with HUS and I've followed a few stories since it's it's basically a roller coaster waiting game and in the years since he's passed they've since learned that there's a certain drug that can help these severe cases but in our case they discovered that for us but it was too late so when they had figured that out, we were too far down the road. But anyway, the, there wasn't, that was all he kind of said, like it, it can be really, really awful and it can be really, really bad and, and it's going to get worse, but still the, the, like the odds are in your favor, right? Right. Yeah. So they hooked him up and took him to, this was a mo- the Monday to another unit and he started to just get like, he just wasn't himself. He was getting irritable and a little bit argumentative, which wasn't like him and things like that. And then one night, I think it was the Tuesday night in the middle of the night, he had a seizure and coded. So then we ended up in the ICU on life support, not life support, but he was intubated like to, as a rest to give his body rest. Yeah. 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 And everything like his kept. CT scans still looked okay and everything. And then the, for the next couple of days in the ICU, they had him hooked up to like a brain, checking his brain because seizures were his the biggest thing. And on and off seizures for the next couple of days, but they seemed to kind of get those under control and he still was okay. He wasn't himself. And he, of course, he was sick and he would say like, when am I going to feel better? And oh. we couldn't let him drink anything because he was on this dialysis so we couldn't, you know, there was, I can't remember exactly, but when you're in, it was hemo, no, not hemodialysis. I missed a step. He had to have a little surgery for, to get him set up on this dialysis that I don't know how it worked, but it was yeah, surgically, yeah. It had to be surgically done. And then they could perform this dialysis ongoing. So okay. he couldn't drink because of that. And he was so thirsty all the time. So he kind of leveled out and steadied off. 
And on the Friday, so we've been there a week now, they moved him up to a unit, different unit, which is always good to be moved out of the ICU, but I didn't feel right about that. And um, what's happening on the back end of this? Like, is somebody looking after your youngest, or like your other kiddo? She was with my, like Dave, one parent can stay with him at the hospital. So it was usually me. And the night he had a seizure, Dave was actually at home with Maisie. So in the middle of the night, he had to take her to uh, my parents. They live in Chestermere. Okay. So she was, mo- she was mostly with them through all of this which is a blessing. And you know, at the beginning, Dave was still trying to go to work and it didn't seem that serious. So mm-hmm. we were trying to main, maintain some normalcy. And so we moved up to the unit and I didn't feel right about it because he didn't seem, he had leveled off, but he didn't seem himself. Like it, he wasn't uh, responding much to me anymore. His eyes would be open, but it took a lot to get him to like respond at all. Yeah, that Friday night we were on the unit and Dave had gone to take somebody home and I just noticed that he wasn't, it just wasn't, something wasn't right. He wasn't responding. His breathing was off. I had to kind of like nudge him to get him to kind of come to and and respond. And it's funny because I had to bring that to the nurses on that unit. But I think with HUS, it's such an unpredictable thing. Like you make gains and then you lose them. Having dealt with it, I've watched stories where they... And even with Max, you know, his, his levels would kind of, his blood and urine levels would level off and then they would fall back and then he'd have a seizure, but then he'd, he'd rally and like all these things would happen. We'd have a really good day and a really bad day, but we were only a week. So we're only a week now. And you know, you're exhausted and I can't eat because you know, you can't eat when you're no so stressed. So you're trying to live off smoothies and coffee and water. Anyway. What kind of support did you have in the hospital for yourself? Like, was there social workers or were like friends and family obviously were trying to support you? Yes, we had a social worker in the hospital. I don't remember a ton, like when it got really bad, they would pop in and out. So they do have a role there. But I remember the first time they visited us, I was almost offended because I thought, well, I'm not going to need you. Yeah. 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 This is, you know, you don't need to be here. Go help somebody else. That yes. Need you more than we do but no we had huge community support people were buying us gas cards and oh yeah dropping goodies and mowing our lawn at home and things like that so no we were pretty well covered mm-hmm. yeah that was never an issue I can't remember if maybe we went to school that week or not but anyways yeah that Friday night we ended up back in the in the ICU and he just never recovered from that I remember his blood pressure just being completely off the charts and his heart started to just race and he actually went into cardiac arrest and oh they actually resuscitate him and they did. They've been doing like periodic CAT scans and stuff because they worry about stroke and I actually think he had had a stroke by that point because that's I think had is what made him kind of unresponsive from that Friday but they didn't they didn't know and they didn't really seem concerned they just kept saying with HUS it can just get so bad and then you just have to be patient wait for them to improve because there's not much that they can do and then that day I remember they took him in for a a full body MRI in the middle of the night like it had been Dave came back to the hospital in the evening and this had been kind of we'd been fighting and fighting well he was fighting for his life all through the night and then they took him for this CAT scan and I laid outside the the CAT scan room and I could hear just his heart rate just soaring. I couldn't go in there. So I don't know what's going on. And people were around. Anyway, from there, it was determined that he needed to be on heart-lung machine, life support, to give Mm -hmm. his body a chance to rest and recover. So that was his only only chance to survive. So, of course, we agreed to that. And that procedure went really well. And then a couple hours after that, they checked his pupils and they were on... They were unresponsive. So when they went for the last CAT scan, sorry. No, no, take your time. This is so heartbreaking. I I still don't know exactly, but I assume it was a stroke. I assume it was probably a series of strokes right from that Friday. You just think of how much can a body take, right? right? Just a little boy like that is just awful. It's awful. Yeah, their, their bodies are so res- so like resilient. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think with HUS, it kind of just—I don't know if it 
picks an organ or a system or if it just for him I think it was I think it was his brain and to me that's like that will always break my heart because he had (laughs) he had such a great brain yeah yeah Yeah. oh god I'm so sorry wondered what he would do yeah so smart and so what happens, you know, a lot of t- the people that we've spoken to who've lost children, it's been a long battle with cancer. And there's sort of this, I think, the sense that maybe there's more time, it's more, you know, what's coming and you can plan for it. But this feels so out of left field. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know what that looks like. Like what happens from there? Well, and you always assume that if it happened to you, you wouldn't be able to go on, right? Yeah. 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 And I re- like, I remember because he was still hooked up to life support. So we had time after learning that news. And I remember just thinking like, my marriage is going to fall apart. I'm not Mm going to be able to hold down a job. I'm going to have to move out of my house. Like Mm -hmm. those are the thoughts before he's even technically gone that, that are going through my head. And I'm leaning on my mom for support more than anybody else, because I feel like, I don't know, (laughs) I said to my mom, I need you. Like you always go back to your mom, right? Yeah, yeah. So you just kind of crawl along. Now, weirdly enough, I have complete, clear recollection of the moments after and the days after. Like, it's really clear in my head. There's no fuzzy there, which isn't the typical response. Mm -hmm. You just kind of take sleeping pills and (laughs) put ahead of the other in the days that follow. Yeah. So how old was Maisie when this happened? She was four, just about five. And she actually, uh, 10 days after Max's funeral, ended up in the hospital with the same thing. What? Oh, my gosh. What so how did they get it? Like, how? Do, I don't know. They had yeah. Alberta Health Services come. They tested our water. They t- tested the backyard. They tested the pet food. The only thing that I, like, it comes back to for me is we had barbecued frozen burgers for my birthday dinner at the end of May they had split the burger. So I don't even know how, cause I think Maisie probably got it from Max because oh, right. it, it was such a much later time that it showed up with her. Yeah. Yeah. So she probably didn't get it from the source that he got it from, whichever that may be because it was so much later. So she must've, it must've been still in the house or yeah, I don't even know. And so she's in the hospital they're able to catch it sooner or like you said, it wasn't as severe for her. It was so scary because I remember being at my mom's for lunch and I think Dave was at work. Like we're talking a week after the funeral, 10 days after the funeral. um, I just started to notice that she seemed to have blood in her stool. Oh my God. We went and like you put her in the car to go to the hospital and you feel like you're racing for her life, even though, Right. So we had tools in our back pocket that we had learned, like we just made her drink and drink and drink to keep her kidneys going. And they admitted her, I think, mostly out of compassion. So because for us to know that she had been watched and her numbers started to trend toward the same direction that Max did, but they never, they technically diagnosed her with HUS, but it just passed. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What a nightmare. Yeah, that was a nightmare. But, you know, even in the moment we, you know, you lose your child and you, you just automatically think, well, that really, you know, this really sucks. It couldn't be any worse Yeah, yeah. than losing your baby. And then Maisie gets sick and you immediately think, well, that's how it gets worse. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So strangely enough, it gave us some perspective a little bit of gratitude, I think. Yeah. Do you, is it really gratitude? Probably it, it is. It's yeah. Gratitude. I think it's just the be. it was just the beginnings of those little bubbles of like gratitude and perspective for us. All the gifts that have come because of his passing, like they're, they're too numerous to count. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You, you have to be in the right frame of mind to be able to even see them as, as gifts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When it's your when it's your child, you have to be able to. And our biggest one is Charlie. And we we were talking about it again last night. Is we wouldn't have had Charlie. Max hadn't passed, and it's a bit of a it screws with your mind a little bit because you think, well, 
Charlie wouldn't be here if Max had passed, but what would I pick if I had to pick? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's impossible. Like, yeah. And when I was pregnant with him, of course, in your hormonal, you go through it. And I, I would say I would give this baby back. You do, Once you meet the baby and they're part of your family, you don't. Right. Yeah. 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 That's, that's just some, something that people just would never understand unless they were in that position. Yeah. But it's so good to share because there are people who have been in that position before who may feel guilty or shame or things like that over the thoughts that they've had that are totally normal mm-hmm. yeah, and totally typical when it comes to something like this. Absolutely. Um, So with Maisie being four, did she really have a concept of Max passing away? She did. She was just about five. Like it was just before she turned five and yeah, she did. Um, But kids are, as you know, Michelle, they kind of, they grieve for the age they're at, right? Yeah. Yeah. We found it to be a bit of a blessing because she was so matter of fact. So Mm -hmm. it forced us to be matter of fact, and it forced other people to, to face those hard questions, like head on, you explain it to them for their age. And then when they're seven, you explain it to them for their age when they're seven. And then you re kind of grieve for them over and over again as they grow up. Yeah. And I think as adults, I think that that's kind of a good thing to have to keep revisiting it because I think as adults, we tend to shove it away oh yeah and yeah think that you're okay and to have to revisit it like even charlie we went for his preschool orientation this week and he was the lady kept asking about brothers and sisters and charlie was like yeah i have a brother what's his name max she would say you want to paint him a picture and he'd say well he's not there (laughs) you know like and it's that's where we're at right now for him but even even for Charlie coming into the family and never having been around Max, I'm yeah. sure there will be bits of grief that are completely, completely different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I was going to ask, how did you, how do you guys as a family navigate keeping Max's memory alive and keeping him part of the family when you, when you have a kid that was born after Max passed? I worry a little bit when the time comes where he asks the questions about like, or if somebody says to him, or if he clues into the fact that he's only here because we lost Max. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I have bereaved mom friends whose older siblings have said to the ones that have been born since, you know, you're only here because they're fighting, you know, but no, right now we just, you know, we lots of pictures and Charlie can, but they look a lot alike too. So they do. Yeah. He thinks it's him. Yeah. Charlie carries Max's blue bear. Max had a bear. His name was Mr. Floppy. Aww. And Char- that's been Charlie's like beloved lovey from the time he was a small baby. I should put a tracker in it, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We cannot lose that blue bear. <laughs> uh, that, we have Charlie's in Max's bedroom. So we still have like original things on the wall that were in there when it was Max's room. He wears bits of his clothing that I still had hanging around. We, when we camp, we take his camping chair and I have a picture of him hanging in the trailer. And we just talk about him all the time. Like, yeah. yeah. It's so interesting to me. Just accept it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. why wouldn't, like, he wouldn't know right. any different, right? Yeah. This is just his right. reality. Yep. I find that interesting because myself, I'm not when I talk about my husband or when I have things around for him, I don't really have a lot of stuff, I guess. But like, like you said, we talk about him constantly because he's our family. And so it's not like a taboo subject. You just talk about him like, like you, you would, right. Because he is your family and he's in, he's part of your family and it's just a normal thing to talk about Max. And it's a normal thing to talk about my husband, you know, just, they never, they never go away. Yeah. Well, and it's all, it's all part of the story that makes us and, and the kids who they are. And yes. The that they tell, right. Yeah. I find it still makes people uncomfortable the outside. Like yeah. I know when I meet new people and I get to know them and I talk so matter of factly about Max and it's for a lot of people still, it's like, Ooh, it shuts them down a little bit. Yes, for sure. Yeah. 
You had mentioned that when Max was getting really sick, you you worried about how your marriage would survive such a loss. How how did you guys survive that loss? I think that like and you grieve you grieve differently, but I I like to look back and feel proud about how we pulled through that because it always seemed like when I needed somebody to lean on, Dave was he was good and he was there for me yeah. and vice versa. I just couldn't ever like after those initial days would wear off, I just couldn't imagine not having him there because he was the only other person that was grieving on the same level as I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, he was ours. So how could we, how could we not? I think in the days and weeks and months after we were closer, not further. And I know that's not always the case. And I don't even know if there's a real good answer to it. Yeah. yeah. We needed each other. Well, and like you said, people grieve so differently. You never quite know, you know, how the other person is going to be or how you're going to be and how that meshes together. Right. It, I think it makes sense that marriages do break apart because of, yeah, because of it. Right. I don't know. I think it's so great that you guys were able to, I don't know, yeah, like, lean get into through each other. it. Yeah. And there's no, there's no rules for it. Right. There's no, no. way. There's no way to even, and, and the men too, they tend to kind of lean inward more. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and the women, but we somehow did it. <laughs> you were talking about kind of having other moms in your support group that have lost children. I definitely, I, I wanted to say that after losing my husband, I definitely looked to kind of you and my other friends who have lost children or spouses. And I was, comforted by how you can still wake up every day yeah and just survive I think a lot of us tend to think like you said if I lose my child if I lose my spouse like I can't go on but then once you're in that situation you realize you have to absolutely and that and that was one of the first things I did too as a newly bereaved mom was like intentionally seek out people that had gone through it yeah Mm -hmm. To, to learn that. And I, I work with this amazing woman who's, she's a senior and she shouldn't still be working, but she does because she <laughs> it. I didn't know, but years and years and years ago, she had lost a child. And I didn't know that until Max passed. And I remember learning that early on and being so not relieved, but this woman, she was happy and mm-hmm. outwardly loving and extremely like lived her life well. And with joy and ha- like genuine love for people around her, you would never have known that she had lost a child. And so that gave me hope Yes, that, that I could do the same event one day, you know, and, yes. and come to a life that brought joy again and that I, that I loved to live again because yeah. in those days that that is ripped, right? That is yeah. ripped from you. So how did the idea about for a foundation come about? I think it was just like, I don't even know. I think that Max was such a special soul. Like they all are, kids all are. So I don't mean to think he was any more special, but he like his, his mind was unlike any person I had ever met before with the things that he could think and do and his perception. And I felt like if he couldn't fulfill something great that I had to do it for him that we had to, we had to do it because it was such a loss to not see what he could do. So I think that it was like, it started off as a golf tournament and a big golf tournament. And I don't know, I just kind of had to be, I just, yeah. Had to be. Yep. Um, Can you tell us a bit about the foundation? Like what is it and what does it support? So we initially were primarily supporting the children's hospital um, we picked a piece of machinery to purchase for the hospital and it was a ECMO machine or um, ECL, oh, yeah. which is life support, heart lung mm-hmm. machine. At the children's hospital, they have the heart lung machines, but the kiddos need to be transported to the stallery once they are put on them because they can't properly staff them here and their machines were really out of date. So we chose that piece of machinery because it held sig- significance for us. That was our goal was to purchase that. And we did. It was $130,000. So Oof, we, wow. and then we also supported the Okotoks beavers. The, just a, for a few years, we paid for a little guy to take 
beavers that wouldn't otherwise be able to because of cloth. We still fund a scholarship at Max's school. And then just as of recently, because since we've purchased our machine, we're kind of, we've been supporting the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support Center to help grieving children. So mm-hmm. we've been funding art programs for grieving siblings. Oh, that's wonderful. And a mental health program through the children's hospital. So we don't have, right now, we don't have a set specific thing to be donating to, but what we're trying to do with our fundraising dollars is build resilience in children and their families to help them walk through hard times. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What, what our mandate is going forward. So we will probably still fund some programs for siblings, perhaps some more mental health. Perhaps we might break up out on our own and try to create some programs of our own that are more specific to Max and his life. I think that's so amazing that you're doing something for the kids of siblings who have passed, right? Because obviously, you know, firsthand how important that is. And I don't know, that's just such a great idea. Yeah. It's probably one of the aspects that maybe gets forgotten a little bit too. And and not that easy to access. It's better now than finding there's more now. But I remember at the time, there wasn't that much. And there was one program out of one facility and it wasn't convenient. And the need is out there and not just siblings, but as you know, children from that have lost parents or from yes. abusive relationships or whatever it might be. There's kids that need the supports from these traumatic situations. What's the best way if people want to like donate or support or volunteer, like how can people get involved if they want to? Um, we are, our website has all the information on it. So it's, www.maxrobinsonforkids.com and it's a four not the word for oh okay yeah and then all of our socials through there's instagram's probably the best but any of the social platforms we're on but yeah all of our contact information is in those two spots we are always looking for donors and ideas for fundraisers and as we move into the fundraisers volunteers and things like that so yeah that would be fantastic absolutely absolutely yeah, it's got to feel so good to have something to put uh, like your energy into and your like, passion into. Yeah, yeah, your passion for Max into something that yeah that really speaks about him and his spirit. And it's how we continue to parent him. So mm-hmm. you know, we, we don't. I don't get to make his lunch. I don't get to argue with him. I don't get to hug him. <laughs> yeah, all those things. So it, it's a good way to channel some energy just for him. And to be honest, like some days when life is so busy, it's one more thing on my plate. And so I just have to refocus myself and, and it doesn't take long. Of course, you just remind that this is Max's time and he, you know, he's still mine. So he still gets a chunk of my energy. That's yeah. such an interesting perspective that maybe I didn't even think about that. Like you said, he's still, he's still yours and you're still parenting him but you just have to do it a different way and you have to find a a different way to connect with him and the way that you're doing it is helping other people which is just incredible yeah well and the helping it's funny because the of course we're doing it to help other people but that is like the best byproduct of yes i need to do this for him right yes absolutely yeah well, we're so thankful that you felt comfortable sharing his story and and that we get to be one of many platforms that that spreads his story and talks about him and ways that that we can support him. And thank you so so much for for giving us the chance to yeah, giving me the chance to come on and chat with you. We we love to share the story. You know, after all these years you, the the occasion to do it becomes less and so Right. It's always nice to be able to to go back and do it every once in a while again. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we'll make sure we put like all the social information and the website on our show notes, and then we'll tag it obviously in on Instagram and all of that. So people can easily find it. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank thank you. you. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. We know you had a little three-year-old knocking on your door. So (laughs) (laughs) thanks so much. Thank thank you. you, Have a great day. We'll talk soon. Hey, you too. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey, Michelle. Hey. Amber, thank you so flipping much. So much. Yeah. We're going to just have to have a backyard barbecue when COVID oh is wrapped gosh, up. Oh my gosh, 100%. With all of these like local people. Yeah. Not a, we'll invite everybody. Like oh, if yeah. Steph and Katie from Utah can come. If you guys want to fly here, we're not stopping you. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, that would be so much fun. I would love that. They're just all so inspirational. And I mean, Amber's amazing and her family and just so tragic. Like I said, if you can turn something good into some, from something so terrible, you know, and, and to help other people. It's just a, a, an amazing gift. So yeah. 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 Well, thanks everybody for listening. And thank you to everybody who bought a Evelyn inspired notebook for yes. the month of September. We'll be announcing how much we're donating to the Evelyn foundation. Mm-hmm. We'll also make sure to link in the show notes and tag on Instagram Max's foundation. Yes. Um, so support, just support one of them. We're going to list all the places we support and we, yes, will, absolutely. we support one of them. Absolutely. And I did accidentally keep the Evelyn notebooks up a couple extra days. So if you were oh. lucky enough to get one after the end of September. Yeah, we did get a couple messages of people being yes. like, oh my God, I forgot. And we yeah. were like, well, joke's well, on you. We forgot, <laughs> we forgot to take you. it down. So <laughs> please go in order. So we are adding that to our Evelyn donation. Yeah, so. that's really exciting. Yeah. You know what I hope? What? I hope, because I just realized it was Sunday and I have to go to work tomorrow, I hope it's not as busy as it was on Friday. Yeah, I hope that for you too. It kicked my butt. Yeah. But doesn't it make the day go by faster? It does, but I work at a bank. We were, it was the first of the month, it was a Friday, and we were closed the day before. Mm -hmm. And the day before that, our systems were down for like almost the entire day. Yeah. So it was bananas. Yeah. And on top of that... On a day that's already so busy, mm-hmm. for people to bring in, like, $700 worth of rolled coin, like, yeah. not the time. Yeah. Nancy. Like, not the time. But what if Nancy needed to pay her rent and all she had was rolled coins? I guess. But, like, okay. it, it yeah. wasn't just her. It was right. literally, like, six people brought in rolled coins. Yeah. When we're just trying to, like, get through you know, pay taxes and things like that, yeah. right? So, it was bananas. And... We were so busy that it was a coworker's birthday and we had cupcakes and none of us even got to eat a cupcake. No. I know. It's like, you know you're busy when you can't stuff your face. <laughs> yeah. And we really um, love our sweets. So yeah. it was it was crazy. I'm so sorry for you. It's okay. Well, I hope for tomorrow that it's not a busy day. Thank you. Don't Follow forget. us on our social medias. Yeah. Where can people find us? On Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok. Yeah. On Patreon, mm-hmm. on Etsy. Yeah. Buy me a coffee. And buy me a coffee. Yeah. We have like a ton of different sites. Yeah. The best way to get to all of them is probably through our Instagram. Through really. our Instagram, through a link in our bio. Yeah. It has all of the things listed. Yeah. We're also on LinkedIn. I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. But... I don't know. Every once in a while we get an email about someone on LinkedIn. I'm yeah. like, okay. Great. Great. Love <laughs> great. that for us. Uh, okay, everybody. Have a really great week. Okay. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.